Thank you, Joseph and Dennis, for being in our prayer time. And thank you, church, for praying. And I would ask that you would continue to pray for our nation, our community, our churches, and our, our first responders. The only thing that's going to change our nation is prayer. It's not going to be laws. It's not going to be legislation. It's not going to be politicians. It's going to be prayer. If God changes the hearts of his people, he will change the hearts of the nation. And so I pray that you would continue to keep these things in mind as you spend time with God. Take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 4. This morning, we're going to continue our series on the miracles of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to look at Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. I've untitled this message, Lessons from the Storm. Every one of us has what is called a storm theology. Storm theology is what we believe about God when a storm comes into our life. It's what we believe about God when we encounter suffering or hardship or adversity. And the reality is that the storms we go through will reveal the answer to this question, do we really believe what we say we believe? Because the storms we go through, they will re reveal the genuineness of our faith. They'll reveal whether we live by faith or by fear. They'll reveal whether we trust God or doubt God. Because it's one thing to say we have faith in God, but it's another thing to show. And we are all affected by the storms and struggles of life. There's not one of us in here this morning who is not affected by the storms or hardship of life. In fact, Scripture makes it very clear that we all are going to go through storms. James 1, 2 says, Count it pure joy, my brothers, when you go through various trials or difficulties or hardships. Storms are going to be a fact and reality of life. And 9-11 was a storm that our nation went through. It was a difficult time. It was a time of fear and a time of disbelief. How could that have happened? And that's an event that changed everything. It changed the world in the ways that we never could have imagined. It permanently changed airports and air travel. It was an event that brought our nation together for a time to be. But unfortunately, that did not last. It was an event in which our churches were full for a short time. But unfortunately, that didn't last either. But storms are a part of life. No one is immune. And they come in a variety of forms. It might be health related. It might be financial. It might be relational. It might be spiritual. It might be emotional. And as it has been said, we are in one of three places in life. We are either going into a storm, we're in a storm, or we're coming out of it. And so this morning, we're going to see Jesus lead his disciples into a storm. And we're going to discover some lessons we can learn as we go through the storms we face in life. And the question to consider is, when we are in a storm, how are we going to respond? Are we going to respond like Plato or a tennis ball? Let me explain. When you put pressure on Plato, it leaves a lasting imprint. And everybody can tell that it's been messed with because of the market level. However, when you put pressure on a tennis ball, although it may initially cave into the stress, it doesn't remain in that condition. It always bounces back to its original shape. 
So as we go through this passage, I want you to think about your storm theology. Is your belief, is your faith in God affected by the circumstances of your life? How do you respond to the pressures and struggles of life? Do you respond like Plato, where your faith is affected by your circumstances? Or a tennis ball, where your faith is the same regardless of your circumstances? I want to give you some context to the passage we're about to read. It's the story of Jesus calming the storm. It's told in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus had been busy teaching all day near the Sea of Galilee, which is more like a lake. And Anthony, I think you have... That picture, he can show us the Sea of Galilee. It's more like a lake, but they call it a sea. And that's where Jesus was teaching. He was emotionally and physically drained. Jesus was exhausted, he was tired, and he needed some rest. So he decided to take a boat with the disciples to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So let's pick it up in Mark 4 and read verses 35 to 41. It says, On that day when evening had come, he had told them, meaning his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. They left the crowd and took him along since he was already in the boat and other boats were with him. A fierce windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat, so the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern sleeping on the cushion, so they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you fearful? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This morning I want to give you five lessons that we can learn from this storm encounter. First of this, storms can be a test from God. Storms can be a test from God. The end of the day, evening had come, and Jesus tells his disciples, Let's cross over to the other side. And when Jesus tells his disciples to get in the boat, a typical boat from that time period was about 27 feet long, about 5 feet high, and about 8 feet wide. And he told them to go to the other side. Jesus knew what was going to happen. Jesus knew a storm was going to come. Jesus consciously and deliberately led the disciples into this storm. Why? Because he wanted to give his disciples a test. Because on this side of the lake, Jesus had performed miracles. Jesus had confronted the Pharisees. Jesus had taught about the kingdom of God. The crowds were huge and everything was great. On this side of the lake, the disciples' faith in Jesus was easy. But as they go to the other side of the lake, their faith is about to be tested. The disciples had heard the teaching of Jesus. Now Jesus was going to give them an opportunity to put their faith into practice. He was going to give them an opportunity to apply what they had heard and learned. The disciples were about to get a spiritual education. And the classroom was going to be the Sea of Galilee. The disciples don't know it, but a storm is coming. The disciples don't know it as they, uh, as they try to get to the other side. Things are going to get tough. You know, in our lives, sometimes God may lead us into a storm. Sometimes God may tell us to go to the other side. And God uses storms in our lives as a test, as an opportunity for us to demonstrate our trust in Him, to put our faith in action, to show we really believe what we say believe. we believe. Because it's easy to trust God. It's easy to have faith in God on this side of life, and things are going great. 
But what happens on the other side of life when the storm comes? When things get messy and things take a turn? It could be an unexpected diagnosis from the doctor. It could be an unexpected phone call or text or email. It could be maybe that you lose your job or you get a bill that you can't pay. The real test of our faith is not when things are great. The real test of our faith is when our lives get turned upside down. And the storms we go through in life can be a test from God. And how we respond to the storms in our life will reveal how much faith, how much trust we have in Him. The second thing I think we can learn is storms can happen suddenly without warning. Verse 37, as they were going to the other side of the lake, it says a fierce windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat. So the boat was already being swamped. The Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles wide, about 7 miles across about 150 feet deep. And 700 feet below sea level, it's surrounded by mountains. And so when the cold air comes over the tops of the mountains, and it combines with the warm air over the lake, the result is storms. And these storms over the Sea of Galilee develop within minutes. They develop with no warning whatsoever. And Mark describes the storm as a fierce windstorm or a furious squall. What he's referring to are hurricane-force-like winds that cause the waves to break against the boat and cause the boat to fill with water. In Matthew, he calls it a violent storm, and he uses the word seismos. That's language used for an earthquake. So according to Matthew, the waves were swallowing the boat, and the sea was shaking. You know, growing up in Mobile, Alabama, I've been through several hurricanes. In September 1979, I experienced Hurricane Frederick. I was nine years old. Mobile took a direct hit. Winds over 150 miles an hour. Our yard had probably 20 or 30 pine trees in it. And almost every single one of those pine trees was snapped or ripped out of the ground by this hurricane. This was a powerful storm. And in fact, when we lived in California, Joni and I and the boys, we flew towards the hurricane. You said you must have been nuts. Well, we were. It was Hurricane Katrina that hit New Orleans in 2005. You see, we've been planning to go on vacation the week the hurricane was coming. So I got the bright idea that we would go to my mom and dad's early, and we would get there before the storm. So instead of leaving later in the week, we left that Sunday morning. We arrived in Mobile that afternoon. After, as we were exiting the airport, we heard the winds pick up and the rain started to fall. We had just beat the storm. And we spent the next week and a half at my mom and dad without electricity, without power, because we wanted to see them. And if you understand the power of a hurricane, if you remember Hurricane Katrina, it was a huge, huge storm. It covered from Texas all the way to the Florida Panhandle. And even though we were on the, the east side of it, which in some cases can be the worst as the winds are counterclockwise, we still had 90 to 100 mile an hour winds in Mobile, even though we were over two hours away from New Orleans. And that was a massive and powerful storm that changed the landscape of the Gulf Coast forever. There are some communities that don't even exist anymore. And when you go to New Orleans and other areas that were affected by the storm, you can still see the effects of Hurricane Katrina. Billions of dollars worth of damage and, and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lives were opened. 
And this storm the disciples encountered was not a typical thunderstorm. It was a raging storm. I couldn't even imagine being out in a boat during a hurricane-like storm. But when the disciples got in the boat with Jesus, they had no idea this storm was coming. But Jesus did. If the disciples had known the storm was coming, if they would have seen the skies darken over the lake, if they would have felt the wind pick up, they probably would have thought, there's no way I'm getting into that boat. This storm came upon them suddenly. But you know what? This is the way life is. One moment things are going great, and the next moment the bottom falls out without warning. 9-11 there was no problem. Those people who went to work in the World Trade Center towers that morning, those people who boarded the planes that day, those people who went to work at the Pentagon, those first responders who went to the scenes of the chaos, they had no idea when they got up for work their morning that they would find themselves in the midst of one of the greatest tragedies and the greatest acts of terrorism and evil in the history of our nation and our world. These people had no idea what was going to happen. They had no idea that, that many of them were going to lose their lives. In our own lives, we have no idea when a storm is going to strike us either. We are one phone call away. We are one doctor's visit away. We are one accident away from finding ourselves in the middle of the storm. And I, I am not immune from storms. I face storms like everybody else. And I'll never forget where I was when I got the call. My dad was in a diabetic coma and didn't look good. November 17, 2015, I was here in my office in the church and other end of the line with my aunt. And my mom was already in the hospital not doing well. And I knew when my aunt called, it probably wasn't good because she normally didn't call me at work. And when she got on the phone, she said, I have some bad news to tell you. She said, we found your dad laying in bed in a diabetic home. And he's in the, the neurological intensive care unit. I left as soon as I could, and he never, he never came out of my coma. I wasn't expecting that, but it happened. Just last year, I got a phone call from my mom at the end of October on Thursday night. She told me, she said, Dwayne, I'm, going, you're, I'm, I'm making a decision you're not going to like. And I said, oh boy, where is this going? She said, I've decided to go into hospital. She said they gave me some options and I don't like any of them. I just want to be comfortable. I said, you know what, Bob, you're right. I really don't like the decision you made. But you know what? It's your decision. And I love you and I appreciate you and thank you for all that you've done. And that was the last conversation I had with my mom. I had no idea when I picked up the phone that evening and it was my mom calling from the hospital. That's when she was going. That was unexpected. And I'm sure you've gotten phone calls or you've gotten moves just like that. And I'm sure it was just as unexpected for you as it was for me. But as Job mentioned in Job 14.1, life is full of troubles. And Jesus himself said in John 16.33 that we will have many trials and sorrows on this earth. Storms are a reality of life. Storms happen suddenly. 
Storms test our faith, and storms will reveal our faith. The third lesson we can learn is storms can cause us to doubt God. Verse 38 says, But he was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion, so they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? See, because of the fierceness of the storm, because of the boat being overwhelmed by the waves and taking on water, the disciples are in a panic. They're freaking out. They're thinking, we are about to die. This is it. Now remember, some of these disciples are experienced fishermen, but not even their skills, not even their knowledge, not even their experience can help them navigate this storm. And where is Jesus during the storm? He's sleeping in the back of a boat on a cushion. During this violent storm, Jesus is sound asleep. The fact that Jesus was sleeping, it shows us His humanity. It shows us that Jesus had complete trust in God the Father. It shows us that Jesus was not worried about the storm. And I'm sure we all know people who can sleep through anything. My dad could sleep through anything. My dad, when I was growing up, slept through a few hurricanes. As the wind was battering, the windows were breaking, and the trees were falling, where was my dad? In the bed asleep, acting like nothing was wrong. His motto was, I can't do anything about it anyway. I'm not to sleep. And he did. It didn't bother him. And here I'm thinking, Dad, how can you sleep? But he wasn't worried at all. You know what? Jesus wasn't concerned about this one. You know why? Because this shows his deity. It shows his omniscience. It shows that he was all-knowing. Here you have an incredible picture of the humanity and deity of Christ. And so the disciples, they decide to wake up Jesus. They just didn't wake him up. They accused him of not caring about their situation. They say, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? They felt powerless. They felt hopeless. They felt like Jesus was being passive. They felt like Jesus really didn't care. So let's not beat up the disciples too much. Because their concern about drowning was a normal human reaction. I'm sure if I was on a boat like that in the middle of the sea with the sea shaking... I'm sure I would be panicking. I'm sure I would be, be freaking out. I'm sure I would have that reaction. And these disciples, they knew about the storms on the Sea of Galilee. They knew how to handle the boat during the storm. But this storm was a different animal. This was a storm like they had never experienced before. They thought they were going to die. And all they knew to do was panic. And if I were in the middle of a body of water, found myself in a storm like these disciples did, I would be panicking too. Okay. Is he okay? Looks like he's being taken care of. However, if I were in the middle of a storm, I would be panicking too, as I would say. However, this doesn't excuse the fact that the disciples had more fear of the storm than faith in God. They had more fear of the storm than faith in God. Why were they fearful? Because they forgot what Jesus told them when they got to the boat. What did Jesus tell them when they got to the boat? Jesus told them, we're going to the other side. This was a promise that Jesus made to the disciples that were going to the other side. But the disciples had forgotten that. And the moment fear began to set in, 
They should have remembered the words of Jesus. They should have remembered that Jesus keeps His promises. But aren't we sometimes like the disciples when we go through a storm? Don't we say, God, don't you care? God, wake up. God, can't you see what is happening? And I'm sure after 9-11, there were many who had these types of thoughts. And as we've experienced storms in our own lives, I'm sure we've had these types of thoughts. But here's the thing. Jesus has proven Himself to us over and over and over again. But when storms come, we panic. We show fear instead of faith. Why? Because we forgot what Jesus said. And we have more fear of the storm than faith in God. Someone said, don't doubt in the dark what you heard in the light. Don't doubt in the dark what you heard in the light. So what we hear, what we read in Scripture, what we believe before the storm, the dark times that come, we should believe and remember in the storm as our faith in God must be grounded in the character of God and the Word of God and not in the circumstances of our lives. If our faith is based on what is happening in our lives, and not on the character of God or the Word of God or the promises of God, then we really don't have faith in God. And let me make something clear. Fear and faith don't mix. Just like in science where two things can't occupy the same space, oil and water don't mix. Darkness and light can't mix. Fear and faith cannot occupy the same space. Fear can't reside where faith is. But our natural state, our natural reaction when the storms come is fear. But when we place our faith in God, it should remove our fear. And fear says, this situation in my life is too much for me to handle. I don't know what to do. Faith says, God is in control. Fear says, I'm not sure God can handle this. Faith says, nothing is more powerful than God and there's nothing He can't do. Fear says, I'm not sure I can trust God. Faith says, I know I can trust God. And you know what? Going through life, we're going to have fearful thoughts. We're human. But all those should be His thoughts. And those thoughts should not linger. As Satan would love nothing more to bring thoughts of doubt and fear into our lives. And the only thing that will displace those thoughts of fear is faith. So instead of focusing on how big our problem is, we need to focus on how big our God is. And the promises He has made. That's why it's so important to, to know Scripture, to memorize Scripture, to spend time with God and in His Word. And when we focus on how big our God is, you know what will happen? Our faith will overcome our fear. There's a song called Promises, and some of the words are, Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting same, I praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. Because God knows the storms that are coming in our lives. Because God is not shocked by what we're going to face. Because God is not surprised. Because God is not caught off guard. May we choose faith over fear. And may we remember the promises and faithfulness of God. And may our first reaction in the storm not be fear, but faith. And even though the storm may be crippling, may faith be our refuge. May faith be our shelter in the storm.
The fourth thing I want to share is storms can teach us about God and ourselves. After they woke Jesus up and asked Him, don't you care? Verse 39, He says, He got up, He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then He said to them, Why are you fearful? Do you still have no faith? So after Jesus was awoken by the disciples, He rebuked the wind. And the word rebuke is the same word Jesus used in Mark 1.25 when it says He rebuked a demon. Rebuke means to admonish, to censor. And one commentator said, This commanding word is uttered by God or His spokesman by which evil powers are brought to submission and establishes the way for God's righteous rule. So what did Jesus do when He rebuked the storm? He admonished it. He censored it. He stopped it. And then it says he spoke to the sea in ways that quiet, be still. The Greek word for be still means he actually muzzled the storm. In other words, he told the storm to be still and stay still. He commanded the sea to go back to the way it was. And what, it, what happened to the winds and the waves and the storm when he spoke these words? The storm immediately obeyed. And the disciples have never seen this display of power and by calming the winds and the waves, Jesus demonstrated His authority over nature and power and gave great insight to the disciples as to who He really was as Jesus did only what God could do. No one else could calm the storm except God. See, when we're in the middle of a storm, it is there that we can learn who God really is. When we're in the middle of a storm, we can learn about the provision of God. When we're in the middle of a storm, we can learn about the power of God. When we're in the middle of a storm, we can learn about the presence of God. When we're in the middle of the storm, we can learn about the promises of God. And not only do storms teach us about God, they also teach us about ourselves. Verse 40. It says, Then he said to them, after he calmed the storm, Why are you fearful? Do you still have no faith? See, not only do the storms teach us about God, they teach us about ourselves. After Jesus calmed the storm, He addressed the disciples. He rebuked them. He is asking, where is your faith? By asking Him this question, He is telling the disciples that they need to be more trusting. He's telling them that their faith is lacking. And because Jesus was with them, He's making the statement that there was no reason for the disciples to be afraid. Think about this. The disciples had the Creator, the one who created the wind, the one who created the sea, in the boat with them. So Jesus' rebuke and questioning of the disciples was not as much about their reaction to the storm as it was about their reaction to Jesus in the storm. Even after being with Jesus all this time, even after hearing His teachings, even after him seeing Him perform all these miracles, their understanding of Jesus is not where it should have been. And instead of saying something like, Lord, can you help us? They question Him saying, Lord, don't you care if we drown? And the eye of the storm, instead of trusting Jesus, they accused Him of forsaking Him as they fear blinded Him to who He really was. And when we go through storms in our lives, we will learn something about ourselves. You know what we'll learn? We'll learn how strong our faith really is. We, learn, we will learn how much do we really trust God. 
And if we trust Him and believe in Him out of the storm, we should trust Him and believe in Him in the storm. We can't pick and choose the areas of our lives that we want Jesus to be Lord. If Jesus is truly the Lord of our lives and we really do trust Him out of the storm, He will be the Lord of our lives in the storm. So are we really any different than the disciples? Let's be honest with you. Even though Jesus is with us, don't we sometimes fear? Don't we sometimes panic? We know Jesus is all powerful. We know Jesus is all knowing. We know Jesus has taken care of our sin and risen from the dead. We know He can be trusted. We know He has been faithful. We have seen His faithfulness in our lives time and time again. And if we know all these things and believe all these things about God, why are we still afraid? Why do we sometimes let our fear blind our faith? Why do we accuse Jesus of not loving us? Because when we focus on the storm instead of the Lord of the storm, fear is going to win over faith. When we focus on the storm instead of the Lord of the storm, fear is going to win over faith. It's easy to look at the disciples and think, why did they panic? Jesus was right there in the boat with them. What is wrong with those guys? But isn't Jesus always with us through the Holy Spirit? You see, there's never a moment where Jesus is not with us. So when fears enter our life and we panic, you know what Jesus asked us? He asked us the same question He asked these disciples. He asked us, where is your faith? Why are you trusting me more? And if we want to overcome the storms in our life, we need to trust in the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. And we need to trust God in the storm the same way we trust Him out of the storm. And the most peaceful place in a hurricane besides the way from it is in the island or in the middle of the world. If you ever seen a hurricane on radar, you'll see in the middle of a well-formed hurricane is this blank spot that looks like a circle. That's the eye of the storm. And if you're ever in a hurricane, you want to be in the eye of the storm. Because it's peaceful there. And when we are in the eye of the storm, you know what we need to remember? That God is in control. That in the middle of the war, He guards our soul. That He is alone as the anchor when our cells are torn. And His love surrounds us in the eye of the storm. Last thing I want to share with you is storms can strengthen our faith first. Look at the reaction of the disciples. They were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey Him. The disciples were terrified because of the power Jesus displayed over the winds and the sea. And this isn't the kind of desperation or the fear we saw earlier in the story when the disciples were afraid. This is a different word that's used. This word that's used here means in awe. The disciples were filled with reverent awe because of what they had seen Jesus do. The disciples came to understand that someone more powerful in the storm was standing in the boat with them. The disciples knew that only God could have controlled the waves and the wind. And in the middle of this vicious, vicious storm, they had been given a revelation as to the greatness of God and to the identity of Christ. And when they first went to Jesus to awake Him from asleep in verse 38, they called Him Teacher. Now they don't know what to say. They say, who is this 
man that is here with us. Jesus was so much more than their minds could comprehend. The disciples are beginning to put two and two together. They're beginning to understand that Jesus is more than a teacher. That Jesus is more than a prophet. That Jesus is more than a miracle worker. They're beginning to understand and catch on that Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus is God. And the disciples ask a question we all need to answer. And probably one of the most important questions we can answer. Who is this man? Who is Jesus? This question is one we all must answer. As it is the doorway to faith. And it's the key to our store of theology. Because you can't begin to have faith in God if you don't recognize Jesus as the Son of God who came to give His life so we can have eternal life. And you can't trust God in the storms of life if you have not trusted Him with your life. So if you're here this morning and never given your life to Jesus, maybe Jesus is asking you that same question. Or maybe you're asking Him, who is this man? He's the only one that can deliver you from the storm of God's wrath and give you salvation. And if you have trusted Him with your life, you should trust Him as you go through the storms of your life. Your faith out of the storm should be no different than your faith in the storm. And these disciples didn't ask for the storm. They didn't enjoy it. But you know what Jesus did? He used the storm to challenge their faith, to stretch their faith, to strengthen their faith. And after Jesus calmed the storm, the disciples came out of it with a fresh understanding of who Jesus was. And like the disciples, we don't ask for the storms that come. We don't enjoy the storms that come. I don't know anyone that says, I can't wait to get that diagnosis from the doctor that says I have a disease. I can't wait for family issues to arise. I can't wait to lose my job. I can't wait to have financial issues. I don't know of anyone that's ever done that. You see, we don't ask for storms and we don't enjoy storms. But we do need to thank God for the storms. You mean we need to thank God for the storms? Yeah, we need to thank Him for the storms. Why? Because we can learn lessons from the storms that we face in life. It can strengthen our faith. We need to fellowship with God in the storm. We don't need to distance ourselves from Him. We need to get closer to Him. And we need to trust Him through the storms instead of turning away from Him. And we need to realize that the storms we face, there are divine appointments that God uses to test and strengthen and stretch our faith. And the storm you face, it will either strengthen your faith or weaken your faith. It will cause you to trust Jesus or turn from Jesus. And if you want God to use the storms in your life to strengthen your faith, then your fear and all of Jesus needs to exceed the fear of the storm. And always remember that someone who is much more powerful than the storm you face is living within you. And that someone is Jesus Himself. 1 John 5, 4 says, Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So how do you overcome the world? How do you overcome storms? It's through our faith in God. But here's the key. Prepare for the storm before you enter the storm. You don't prepare for a test while you take a test, or at least you shouldn't. Because what's going to happen if you prepare for a test as you take the test, you're going to fail. And we need to prepare for a storm the same way we prepare for a test. We don't need to try to strengthen our faith in the middle of the storm. We need to have a strong faith as we go into the storm. 
We need to prepare ahead of time and we strengthen our faith by being in God's Word. We strengthen our faith by spending time with Him. We strengthen our faith by fellowshipping with other believers. So strengthen your faith before the storm so you can survive the storm and thrive in the storm that we face. Storms are a fact of life. Storms are going to happen. And sometimes they're going to happen suddenly. And just as Jesus used the storm as a teaching and testing moment for the disciples, He uses the storms in our lives to test us and to teach us. And how we reveal to the storms that we face will reveal our storm theology and truly show what we believe about God and how much we really do trust Him. And my prayer is that we will respond to the storms of life with faith and not fear. That the storms we face will push us towards God and not turn us away from Him. That it will cause us to trust Him and not doubt Him. And that we would all come to know and understand that Jesus is Lord in the storm. Jesus is Lord over the storm. And Jesus is Lord out of the storm. And we should trust Him in the storm just as we do out of the storm. And because Jesus is Lord, just as He can calm the storms of the sea, He can calm the storms of our lives. That's right. Father, we just come before you this morning and we just thank you for your word and for your truth. Father, we just thank you that you have come, Father, and you give your life for us. Where you calm the storms of God's wrath by the cross and by giving your life for us so that we could have life. And Father, I pray if there's someone here this morning who's never trusted you, never put their faith in you, I pray this morning would be their day of salvation. They would come to say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to ask Him to be my Savior and my Lord. And Father, may we understand that we can't go through the storms with Jesus if we don't know Jesus. And Father, I'm sure there are many of us here this morning who've made that decision to follow you. Father, I pray that we would prepare for the storms of life. God, I pray that we would strengthen our faith before we get into the storm. God, I pray that we would understand that storms happen suddenly and sometimes you use them to test our faith. Lord, to see if we, we believe what we really say we believe. And Father, I pray that in the storms of life that we would have faith instead of fear. God, I pray if there's someone here this morning who's going through a storm. God, maybe because of that storm they've doubted you, they turned from you, they haven't trusted you. Maybe this morning, God, their faith will overcome them. Or work in the hearts of your people this morning. God, I just pray that we would respond in obedience to you. And God, we do want to reflect and remember what happened 21 years ago today. We remember the lives lost. We reflect on the heroes of the day. And many gave their lives to save the lives of others. We thank you for our first responders here this morning and pray for them. And God, we know they may face many storms in their job. Things that happen suddenly, things happen that they don't expect. Give them wisdom, Father, as they respond to the crises of our kingdom. Father, we pray for our nation that we would be a nation that turns to you and not away from you. God, we love you. We pray you. Just work in the hearts of people this morning. 